The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Jordan Heitemer will be 20 years old when the first game of the Women's Olympic football tournament kicks off at Tokyo 2020. Her country, Canada, will play hosts Japan in one of the most highly anticipated Olympic tournaments ever. Jordan also plays for one of the top teams in the world. Paris Saint-Germain, and they are pushing for the French title. In the Champions League, their big win against holders Lyon was another incredible moment in what promises to be a very special year indeed. So Nick McCarville gave Jordan a call to talk about that big Olympic competition, being authentic online and showing a competitive streak with boyfriend and Bayern Munich star, Alfonso Davis. Olympic Channel Podcast. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. It is a a bonjour, a good evening. Very sunny evening. I think we're all excited for Tokyo to come this summer. What was kind of the like initial reaction for Team Canada and the group that you guys got drawn in? Um, I think the team's excited. I know that we got home opener of the tournament, so that's always exciting um, to play Japan in Japan as the first game of the tournament. So I think we're all just excited. Um, it's been a long time coming, especially because we thought we were going to be playing 2020. Now, obviously, 2021's come. Um, but no, it, we're, we're super excited, ready to go. Um, we're excited for that, to get some more camps together, just because we haven't been together for so long. So as like a whole roster... So we're excited to get back together, get some big camps in, get prep done, and head to the Olympics ready to go. Jordan, how do you, especially during an Olympic year, which is kind of strange because last year we obviously thought we were going to have the games, we're going to have the games this year. How are you finding that balance between Paris, PSG, and your duties for the Canadian national team? Um, well, I haven't been to, like, I've only been to that one camp. Um, yeah. So, like, we've been back. I wasn't able to go to the She Believes. Um, unfortunately, with just like COVID protocols and things like that, that were happening over in France. Um, so honestly, I'm just excited to get back into the Canada environment. I love being in the Canadian environment. So just excited to get back there. I don't think it's too, if it's, if you're thinking it's stressful, I don't think it's stressful at all. I really like it. And, um, I really love my life on the move. And I think with Paris, it's amazing that I can kind of feel like I'm settling down in my apartment and things like that. Um, but I also do love going to camp, like Canada camps. So I'm excited. I'm definitely excited that both of them are now back in rotation. How much was it? Canada just played a couple friendlies, um, beating England, beating Wales. I mean, Team GB is going to be in your group, actually. But, you know, they get split up when they play the friendlies. But how, how much was a, a confidence booster for the ca- Canadian national team to beat Wales and England? Yeah, it felt good. I know that we were a little bit disappointed with our She Believes Cup, um, not coming away with the exact performances we wanted, or the performances, but the results. We wanted more. Uh, we know we can do more. Um, so it was it was nice to get those results off of Tier 1 opponents. We always talk about Tier 1 opponents, those high-quality opponents. Um, so, no, it was good to get a result off of both of those games. Um, it definitely made the group feel a lot better and that our work is leading to something really, really good. And it's not even at the end point, not even close yet. So it's exciting to see where we can take it. 
Yeah, so just in the last few days, you get those couple wins, but then the groups get revealed for Tokyo. So Canada's got Japan, which I think is so exciting because they're the host country. You also have Great Britain, and you have Chile, who is uh, Christian Endler is your goalkeeper for PSG. So, I mean, is there a little trash talk already going on between you and Christian? <laughs> yeah. There's been jokes passed around between me, Ash, and Chris. Um, we are kind of like, hey, Chris, do you mind just, like, not sitting on your head on that game? Like, yeah. have insane days where it's just she's so on, and you will not get a single shot by her no matter what. Like, no matter how perfect, no matter how strong, she'll save everything. So we were just having a little bit of jokes about, hey, do you mind not saving some of our shots in that game? Um, but nothing too serious. I mean, it's all super lighthearted. We're all really close, so. Can we just, for a second, though, you know, so huge for Christian Endler and Chile to qualify for the Olympics. And she was actually on the Olympics podcast with my colleague Ed Knowles recently and talking about Jordan, like, you know, the work that they had to do to get support for the Federation and that they've really taken women's football to the next level. How awesome for Chile to be, to be at the Olympics. Yeah, no, it's it's super exciting. I think a lot of us were really, really proud of her. I know that we were having a lot of conversations about her qualifying match um, against Cameroon, and we were talking about it for a long time because it kept getting postponed. So it was always, hey, like, when's your game? When's it? Okay, like, how can we watch? Like, we we're all super, all super supportive of it. And we're all just excited for her because we knew that it was a huge opportunity for Chile and and we were yeah excited for them to get that opportunity and the fact that they pulled it off and now they're in the Olympics is super exciting. What will the goals be? You know, the last two Olympics, Canada won bronze in London and also bronze in Rio. What are the goals for Team Canada come Tokyo? Uh, I think our big thing is just like our motto, our mantra right now is change the color of the medal, you know, and it's it's pushing for that gold um, because bronze is amazing um, and it was great. I wasn't personally involved with it, but for everyone who was, it was an, it was an incredible experience. They're super excited about that, but we're pushing for better. We're pushing for the gold um, to change the color of the medal. Uh, so everything's kind of been revolved around that over the course of the past few months or yeah with Bev since she's taken over the team how do you how do you um how do you sort of like going from bronze right which is already such an accomplishment you the team will have group play and then you'll get into the single elimination knockout how, how does the team approach that mentally of like wanting a silver or a gold but not trying to look too far ahead I guess yeah, I think it just goes back to, like, taking each moment by itself. Like, um, you you can only look as far as where you are, and that's at, at the present. And I think that's a big thing our team works on as well, is not looking too far in the future because you can't control that. All you can really do is focus on where you're at, the present, be there, um, and do what you can to win each game, game by game, and then see where it takes you from there. But as soon as you get lost looking into the future too much, that's just when you start to crumble. Yeah. What are there? Are there learnings from what happened at Women's World Cup a couple of years ago when you guys got out of the group play, but then weren't really able to to move forward? Is is there, you know, talking within the locker room of what you guys can change come Tokyo? Yeah, I think there was a there was a huge shift um, in behavior, mindset, on field, off field, everything. Um, we knew we just needed to do more and do it better and more higher efficiency. Um, 
but yeah, we were super disappointed with the result of that World Cup. Um, we knew we could do better. We, we felt like we didn't show ourselves properly. Um, so no, they were coming away from that. We definitely wanted more. Um, and we were very hungry and we still are hungry. So that's kind of where we're pushing now. I was listening to another interview that you did of talking about, I think you were probably 10 years old during the Olympics in 2012 and how impactful that was just for you to be watching. Yeah, how much when you were watching London 2012 and Christine Sinclair and this, I mean, it was a huge games for Canada, but was that really impactful for you as a, as a football player? Yeah, I mean, for me at that age, I didn't take like football super seriously. Like I loved to do it and it yeah. was like, I knew it was my passion and I think people around me knew that it was going to be my future before I even knew it because I was 10, you know, I was just enjoying my life. I was enjoying it. And for me, soccer, football, everything like that was my passion. And I just really enjoyed myself when I was playing. So watching the games, it was less like, I'm going to be there. Like that's going to be me in X amount of years. It was more just like, wow, like look how inspiring those women are just like yeah. a whole because for me, I, I saw through past just the football, I'm, that's going to be me. I think it was more so like the following one, the World Cup, was when I was actually at an age where it was like, that's going to be me. Yeah. And it because I think I was 14. I remember watching the games. Like it, it was that moment where I'd already gotten a few caps for the youth team. I think I was involved in 81 full team camp. I can't remember. Um, and it was like, that's the next World Cup that's going to be me. Like, I will be mm. on. So it was like a shift in mindset. Um, but no, I'd say when I was 10, it was more just like, wow, look at these guys. They're so yeah. powerful, strong. Like, so it was more of just that. But the second one was definitely more, I'm going to be there. I think it just shows like the power of sport, though, because, you know, when you're 10, you're watching on TV and they're in, they're in London and it's the Olympics. Like, that's such a, a impactful memory yeah. for you but then like three years later as you say women's world cup in canada did you actually go to any of the games in person unfortunately i couldn't and there really was, no i couldn't um it's just like yeah it just didn't work out and we kept trying to get tickets and it just wasn't working um but there was one game uh i think canada versus england was the final match of the tournament for them and um my family, my parents actually had a wedding renewal for their 20th anniversary oh. on day at that BC place. So I could have gone. And, oh, no way. Uh, yeah, no, it was perfect. And um, I couldn't go because I was watching it on TV as my parents were getting their like wedding vows renewed. And I was like, ah, oh, I should be at the soccer game, not at this wedding. What the heck's this? And it was funny timing, but no, I didn't get to watch any games. As you've gone from, you know, a standout at a young age on the Canadian national scene to now playing for PSG the last couple of years, how have you tried to continue to use what you do to show young girls that they can achieve anything that they want? Honestly, like, I just try to use my platforms as authentically as I can. Like, I don't, I'm not the type of person that will ever put anything fake or doing it to do it because I'm a professional athlete. It's what what you get and if I feel passionate about something I'll post it I'll repost it I'll I've once watched a documentary that inspired me so much I sent it to like 200 people and was like watch this now and like that's the type of person I am like if I feel like I believe in something yeah. you'll see it. and it's like that's that's always how I'll be um 
and yeah, I, for me, it's it's less about like me speaking up and saying like hurrah hurrah let's do this I'm doing this like it's more just me leading by like action and example like I think the biggest turning point was when I went pro straight out of high school I mean I was the first Canadian to ever do it so I was just trying to to lead a, like show a different path you know give different options like not every you don't always have to go straight from high school into university it's not the only path for you if you do that's that's perfect too like if that's what suits you 100% do it but I was showing that there's there's an option too and you just have to be aware of it if it's not if it doesn't suit you totally understand but it's there and it's it's just putting that mindset in kids and I've already had so many people uh, ask me and DM me and say hey like what do you think about your decision of going pro out of high school like do you regret it do you do you ever think that you should have gone to high like college and I've had I try to answer as many as I can but there's quite a few. So I, I pick and choose kind of um, what I can answer and what I can't. So, um, but I've had a, quite a few conversations with people about like my decision and things like that. So yeah, but other than that, I'm just being the authentic me, like really what you see is what you get when it comes to me. <laughs> I love that. That's, you know, I, I also think, you know, like the comparisons to Christine Sinclair and obviously people talk about you and Alfonso Davies, your partner a lot the fact of his success and what you've done, the golden boot, the success at a young age. But it seems like you like take all of that in stride. And mm -hmm. I'm just wondering like where that comes from, because I feel like it takes someone like you to have that mentality to like n not really care about all that stuff, but still be trying to do more. You know what I mean? I feel like it comes from my family, just like the way I was raised, the way I grew up. Um, I think automatically coming from a small town, like you're just always from a small town, you know, in my head, I'm just a small town kid from Chilliwack. And that's always how. Um, so I think that really adds to the fact, but I know that my mom and I have had tons of conversations about like, stay grounded, stay humble, things like that. But it's like, for me, it's never been an issue because I've never felt like I'm above anyone or I've never felt mm -hmm. that. So it's, it's funny because that conversation, it's, it's funny to me because it's like, why would I ever, you know, why would I ever almost need this conversation? Like, um, but no, it definitely goes back to like how I was raised and like the competitiveness is from my brothers and probably some genetics from my parents, but definitely from my brothers, always growing up playing in the backyard, just being super aggressive. And yeah, other than that, I think it was definitely just how I was raised. Yeah, I mean, being you've got two older brothers. So being the youngest sibling of three, I feel like you were you were always having to like defend for yourself, which is oh, yeah. <laughs> a little punching bag. There's like so funny stories that I have about them like doing s dumb stuff to me for no reason at all yeah and look and look where that got you <laughs> uh so I'm curious you know playing for the Canadian national team and playing for PSG for Paris how important do you feel like it is to see these different organizations supporting women's football the way that they are we talked a little bit about Chile and Christian Endler but it, I think we've seen the shift in the last 10, 20 years of when the investment is there, we can see some really incredible results for the sport and for women's and for women's sports overall. I think like my teammates and I always have this conversation, like once you invest in something, you'll get a result. And if you're not investing in something, what do you expect to happen? You know, like if, like for me, there's even teams right now in women's football that they're a professional athlete. They're getting paid on a professional contract. 
and they're not making enough money to support themselves so they have a side job so it's like if you're not investing in women to to just devote themselves to the sport every day day in and day out they have to be half minded because they have another job because they can't afford to live mm. what do you expect you know so it's like when i heard that fact i was shocked because i was just like i never even knew that that even happened at the professional level for women um so but no i think it's huge i think the more you put in the more you're going to get out and i think the more and more broadcasts we get of women's football on tv things like that streams that you're able to to purchase to buy to look at the more people are going to want to watch it and it's just it comes down to the matter of if people are willing to invest or not Okay, I'm curious to know, because I was watching you and Alfonso do like the seven second challenge. Who's more competitive, you or Alfonso Davies? Well, I don't know. It's pretty close. I don't know. We're both very competitive. Like, it's ridiculous. It gets to like ridiculous point. Like, I'm terrible at checkers, and I know I'm terrible at checkers. Checkers. But checkers. So whenever we play, I'm like off the bat, I'm like, why am I even doing this? I know I'm going to lose. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to play checkers. And so we'll play and then he'll like, he'll do things to like try to help me. But like, of course I lose. So I'm like mad. I'm literally like almost crying because I'm so upset just about the stupid game of checkers. And like, I remember we were playing Monopoly and I won and he was so upset. He's like... <laughs> I don't want to play Monopoly anymore. I'm like, why do we do this? Why do we compete against each other when we know we're just mad because we've lost? And it's, so I honestly couldn't tell you who's more competitive. I think we're both. It, is there something, is there something that you know, like you said, he's better at checkers. Is there something you know that you're better at than him? Everything else. <laughs> yes, amazing. <laughs> Never admit to it, but everything else. Oh, I, I love that. I heard you talking too about like, you know, I think we often, for those of us who are not professional athletes, which are, there's many of us out here, like, we want to say like, oh, it works so well, because you guys are both professional athletes. But it also just seems like you two know each other so well, you met when you were 14, 15. And I don't know, what do you feel like has been kind of the glue that's bonded the two of you together? Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like before we're professional athletes, I feel like we're just like best friends, like in a way, yeah. like we we grew up together. We know each other inside and out. Like we know when we're at our lows, we know when we're at, we're at our highs, we know how to, to help that person, what they need in that moment. And I always tell people this and they're always shocked, but it's like, I'd say 10% of our conversations are about football. Like barely, like don't really talk about it unless there's something that needs to be said. Or if you're needing help in a situation or something's happening that you just want to talk about. It's nice because they always understand, you know, if you need a vent or if you need to like, be like, what do I need to do in this situation? Or like, how do I do this? And then they'll always be able to support you in that in that instance. But rarely do we ever talk football. Like it's, it's barely a conversation in our lives. Yeah. And so we're not like talking about if you're cheering for Bayern Munich or PSG. That's not. Oh, no, we don't talk about that. <laughs> Okay, so we want to close out with, I'm just wondering, I know your fans always love hearing from you. So what's a message that you have for your fans? Uh, um, I'd say, I feel like I change this one every time, you know, it's like, what am I thinking for today? Um, I'd say kind of touching on like a previous conversation we had, 
was just like, be who you are, be yourself, use your voice to empower the people around you, empower yourself, empower the people in your lives. And don't be scared to use your voice. Like, you know, you can impact so many people without even realizing it. So speak up when you want to and when you need to and be who you are. Love that. Thank you, Jordan. Merci beaucoup. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. This is fun. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel Podcast. Massive thank you to Jordan. Join another 1 million or so of her followers on Instagram. Her handle is just Jordan with a Y and then Heitema, H-U-T-E-M-A. Nick is just Nick McCarvel over on Twitter. A great follow. I'm Eddie Knowles with an I and an E and we are just Olympics across all social too. As Nick mentioned, we have interviewed Christian Endler, the PSG and Chile goalkeeper as well. I'll stick a link in the episode description for that one, but you can just scroll down as well. Find that one in our feed. Right, that's it for now. Stay safe, stronger together and see you very soon. Think like an Olympian.